All right. Hold up your Bibles. I want you to say it with me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, let's say it again. This is God's word. Not Pastor Reverend's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And you better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, bow your heads right there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And so, Father, I step back so you can use me as an oracle, as a mouthpiece to speak to your people. And I thank you for the Spirit of God taking what's being said, transforming it into spirit. And, Father, as it goes through the airwaves, I thank you that it's going to land on good ground. And we're going to receive 30, 60, and 100-fold return on the word that our hearts have received. And, Lord, I thank you that our lives will never, ever be the same. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen, amen, and amen. God bless you this morning. Well, today I'm starting a new series that I know is going to change you. It's going to encourage you. It is going to better you. And last of all, I know it's going to grow you. Our series topic for the next three to four weeks is called Facing the Giants. And although this was already a planned series for us, what an appropriate topic for what our world is facing today. We're facing a giant infection, a giant coronavirus. But how many know that God is bigger than that giant? And so if you're taking notes, I have a different title for the message today. And so the lesson title is Goliath has to go. Goliath has to go. Just touch somebody in your house and say, Pastor Evan is excited. Say, your giant's got to go. Oh, yes. We are going to give an eviction notice to Goliath today. Praise the Lord. So our foundational verse will be found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. We're going to spend a lot of time there. And this whole story is centered around David and Goliath. Okay? So... Before we read our text, I want to say up front that I'm using the term giant as a metaphor. And if your children watching me, uh, a metaphor is another word for that is an analogy to the different things that we're facing in life. So when I use the word giant, I'm, I'm, it's just an analogy. It's a metaphor to what we're dealing with now. It's no different than what Jesus did in, and, and said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. He used a mountain as a metaphor to a problem. He said in that verse, verily I say unto you that whoso Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Well, that's a metaphor. That phrase is considered a metaphor or an analogy. So 
We're going to be talking about giants from that perspective. And everyone who's ever lived has had a giant. Watch this now. Is currently facing a giant. Or you better get ready because a giant is coming. Amen. Now, here's what's interesting about giants in our lives. It doesn't matter if you are a Christian or a non-Christian. You're going to see giants. And here's the advantage that you and I have as believers. We have Jesus to help us. In John 17, verse 1, uh, verse 33, it says, These things have I spoken to you that you might have peace. Jesus said, In this world you shall have tribulation. You're going to discover some giants. But he says, But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. And I know that you and I are facing certain giants and these giants that i'm referring to they come in all different shapes sizes and colors i mean we're talking about uh giants that come in the form of fear you know some people have the fear of failure but some people have the fear of success some people just have the fear altogether they're just fearful everything that they see they're scared in their own house hey that's a that's a giant some people uh, these giants come in the shape of financial debt i mean you might be in debt and it's strangling you well that's a goliath that is a giant some people have had difficult time embracing you know god's promises for their future watch this because the giant of their past is overshadowing their life someone say amen to that so some giants, listen, can be strongholds or even habits that you may have developed over time or what may have been handed down to you. Some of the giants that you and I are facing or have faced, they didn't really come from us. They got handed down to us. I mean, I looked at the statistics of people who smoke cigarettes. If parents smoke cigarettes, the likelihood of their children smoking is easier and will normally happen. Why? Because they got handed down. These are different things that we want to call generational curses. Call them what you want to. I'm going to call them a giant. I'm talking about like diabetes where my mama had it, my grandmother had it, my great-grandmother had it. Well, guess what? I'm going to show you today that you and I we don't have to have it. Praise the Lord. Now, low self-esteem, that's a giant. Poverty, that's a giant. Lack, that's a giant. Lying can be a giant. Yep, lying can be a giant. Especially if you can't remember the lie that you told your best friend the last time they wanted to borrow some. I'm talking to somebody right now. Your best friend came to you and asked you to borrow some money and you made up a lie. And here's the thing. They're going to come back and ask you again, or they may have already asked you to borrow some more money. You, you, you better remember the last lie you told them. Lying can be a giant. Watch this. Bullying. You can be bullied at school. Well, that's a giant. So here's the thing. As I begin to teach today, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to shed light on any area of your life that is considered a giant. So, Let's read our text, but I want to alert you to two things. Here's the first alert. The story we're about to read contains a whole lot of verses of Scripture. It's kind of long. However, for us to save some time and get the full impact of the story, I'm going to read and summarize. Okay? So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but what I am going to do is read what we need to know and summarize the difference. Okay? That's number one. Here's number two. I am purpose, purposely reading it and this story out of the New Living Translation. And here is why. It will keep 
the story current in language, but also because we have children watching me, I believe it will help with their understanding as well. So let's go ahead and dive into the scriptures this morning. I'm reading 1 Samuel chapter 17 out of the New Living Translation. They should have it on the screen for you to follow me. And this story is about David and Goliath, all right? And the, this whole story begins because the army of the Israelites and the army of the Philistines were lined up ready to fight. So we're going to jump in to verse 3. Verse 3 says, So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Can you visualize that? One on one side, one on the other side, and there's a valley in the middle. It says in verse 4, Then Goliath, this giant that we're talking about, Goliath, who was a Philistine champion from God, he came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Now, I know some of you all said, Pastor, this sounds like a fictitious story because who's nine feet tall? Well, let me give you some factual information. The tallest man recorded in the world that we know of his name was Robert Wadlow. You can do your research on this. He was documented in 1940, watch this now, to be 8 feet 11 inches. That's only a foot and a half if I have my math right. That's only about a foot and a half shorter than Goliath. So the Bible says Goliath was 9 feet tall. Listen, that's real. Well, verses 5 through 7 tells us about this armor that Goliath wore. In fact, uh, one of the first uh, terms, armor bearer, comes out of this story because Goliath had someone who stood in front of him with his, with his shield. He was an armor bearer. Well, uh, verse 8 says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. This is what he said. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only the servants of Saul. He says, choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. And listen, and I'm going to defy the, the armies of Israel today. He says, send me a man who will fight me. I mean, this, this joker here is, I mean, he's like, He's like, look, what you going to do? What you going to do? And so verse 11 says this. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, watch this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So let's drop down now to verse 16 because I want to show you something. It says, now remember now, he's taunting them saying, come fight me, come fight me. Verse 16 says, for 40 days. Every morning and every evening, that Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Verse 17, it says, And one day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain and see how your brothers are doing and make sure you get back with me on a report to see how they were doing. And then verse 20 says this. So David left the sheep with another shepherd. And he set out early the next morning with the gifts that his dad give, had given him. And he arrived at the camp. Watch this now. 
where the champion was, where the Israelites' army, and they were leaving for the battle. Verse 21 says, Soon the Israelite and the Philistine forces stood facing each other against each army. Verse 22 says, David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, and he hurried to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, watch this now, Goliath, here's that giant. Because listen, when you have giants in your life, they talk to you. Some of you all, you don't like going to work. You know what wake you up? Your alarm clock don't wake you up. Your bills wake you up. Well, let's see what this Goliath, this giant said. This giant came up as he was talking with them. And he came out. And it says, and David heard him shout his usual taunt, verse 24. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Verse 25. Have you seen that giant? The men ask. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. And he will give that. Give that man one of his daughters. What? The king is going to give me his daughter? And then it says, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Oh, my God. I don't have to pay taxes? Wow, especially in Mansfield? Taxes are high, right? And the Bible says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Listen, the reward was so amazing. David said, run that back by me again. Help me. What? What? Uh, Okay. Tell me again. And so watch what happens. And the men, these men gave David the same reply. They say, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eli, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he got angry. What are you doing around here, he demanded. What about those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and your deceit and just what you just want to see the battle, David. Now watch what happens, you know, because... When you start facing your giants, you're going to get criticism from people. Because, see, they want you to stay in bondage. Because, listen, free people, free people. But bound people, bind people. Watch this now. So his his older brother was like, hey, what you doing? And then he says in verse 29, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. So he walked and he asked the same question again and got the same answer. So let's drop down now to verse 32. Because what happened is they went and told the king, hey, king, we got this, this young kid who said he'll kill Goliath. And so they said, he said, bring him to me. So now Saul is talking to David. And so David in verse 32 says, hey, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Saul said, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Watch verse 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And he says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, he says, I go after it with a club. And then he says, and then if 
One come, I'll catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Verse 36, he says, I've done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. I want you to pay attention to David's perspective of this giant. He called this giant a pagan Philistine. The King James says an uncircumcised Philistine. And I want you to notice David told Saul his previous victories. Because let me say something to you. And here's a take-home thought that I want to give you. Everybody say, hmm. Your previous victories from past giants will help you overcome your present giants. Oh, I'm going to say that again. See, the reason why the devil does not want you to go back and remember the things that God has, has done for you, this is why thankfulness is so powerful because the only way to give God thanks, you got to think about what you're thanking him for. And see, the devil don't want you to thank God because he don't want you to remember what God has done. But when you remember what God has done, you'll look back and see the great things that God has delivered you from. Somebody say amen because I'm preaching up in this empty church. Praise the Lord. Watch this now, verse 37. He said, the Lord has rescued me from these, the claw of, the, of all that. So now, watch what happens. So, in verse 40, he picks up five smooth stones. Because I'm going to share with you later on in the series. Goliath has some brothers and some cousins. And sometimes, you know, you got to fight the pack. It says he picked up five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in his shepherd's bag. Then he armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer, his armor bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt. And he, he says, you, this ruddy little boy, he says in verse 42, of verse 43, he says, am I a dog? He roared at David that you come to me with a stick. And he cursed David by the name of his gods. He said, come over here and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and, and wild animals. And see, that's what your, your giants do. They, they intimidate you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen is, and see, most of the time your giant is lying. Because half the stuff we worry about don't come to pass anyway. Well, let's see what happened. Because in verse 44, he says, come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds, Goliath yelled. Now, I want you to pay attention. Here we go now. I'm getting ready to jump into my points. Pay attention to verse 45. Because it's the first principle that you and I need to overcome any giant. Verse 45 says this. David replied to the Philistines. You come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I'm coming to you, watch this now, in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And watch what David said. He said, today, see, because there are some giants that are going to come down in your life today. He says, today the Lord's going to conquer you. Notice he didn't say, today I'm going to conquer you, because that's the problem. A lot of you are trying to face your giant by yourself. He said, oh, no, no, no. He says, today the Lord's going to conquer you, and then I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to cut your head off. And then I'm going to give your bodies, your dead bodies, to the men and the birds and the wild animals, and the world is going to know that there is a God of Israel. I want you to see that, that David's focus wasn't just victory. His focus was also to bring glory to God. Someone say amen to that. 
and everyone assembled to see what happened. And verse 48, it says, As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. He reached into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling. He hit the Philistine in the forehead. Wow, I know this man had on some kind of metal uh, hat or something, right? I mean, he had on all this armor. When you go back and read it, his armor weighed over 100 pounds. So how did David do that? Listen to me, church. Listen, listen, listen. How did David aim that accurately? It was practice. See, don't let this coronavirus keep you at home and you come out the same. Listen, you ought to know more Bible. You ought to have a better prayer life. You got to be doing, you better be closer to God when you walk out of this thing. Well, he hit him in the forehead. The stone sank into his head and Goliath stumbled and fell. He hit face down on the ground. David didn't even have a, a sword. He took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. And then David ran over. And if you go and read it, continue the story, the Israelites begin to attack the Philistines and they won the battle. So you're taking notes. Here's the first principle and first point that I want to give you when it comes to facing your giant. Here it is. Number one, God is bigger than any giant you will face. I'm going to say that again. God is bigger than any giant you will face. Notice in verse 46, he says to Goliath, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut your head off. See, here's the thing. You can defeat a physical giant when God is your spiritual giant. I'm going to say that again. You can defeat a physical giant when God is your spiritual giant. In other words, always approach every giant spiritually before you approach it physically. Oh, this is good, church, because see, some of you all are trying to approach the giant physically. Oh, maybe your weight problem ain't a weight problem. Maybe it's a spiritual problem. Amen. Notice the order of David's approach in verse 46. He says, today, watch this, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut your head off. Cut your head off. It was spirit and then natural. It was spirit and then natural. So how we approach a giant will determine if we will defeat that giant. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war or fight after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, the message translation of that same verse says this. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing, watch this, that entire massively corrupt culture. Watch verse 5. We, as believers, we use our powerful God tools, the word, spirit, angels. He said we use those powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. And then you and I fitting every loose thoughts. Because see, giants sometimes get in through loose thoughts or bad thinking. He says, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life 
shaped by Christ. See, most people's approach to fighting their giant is wrong. You don't fight giants on their territory with their weapons of choice. What you and I need to do, we drag these giants over into the kingdom territory and then we fight them with spiritual weapons. You cannot fight the devil in his territory. So the first step in facing any giant is to understand that God is bigger than any giant you face. Somebody type in there for me. God is bigger than any giant I will face. All right, here's number two. This is how you and I face giants. This is how we're going to get rid of Goliath today. Number two, giants don't go away. They must be conquered. I'm going to say that again. Giants don't go away. They must be conquered. Look at verse 16. It says, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. And that's what giants do. They strut. The goal of every giant is to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil wants to expose you and embarrass you at the worst time. Listen, there is no favorite time to be embarrassed. But listen, he's going to wait till you at the top and bring you down. That's his goal. The devil wants to expose and embarrass. And here's why. So your testimony no longer seems valid and your spiritual impact to others has no impact. Listen, every next level possesses a different devil. Come on, somebody say this with me. Say, every next level possesses a different devil. See, here's, here's what's, it can almost seem confusion, but, it, uh, but it's not. Listen to this. God's promises sometimes require dispossessing before possessing can take place. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God's promises require dispossessing or possessing before possessing can take place. Listen, when we finally built our building and I was praying in the spirit one day, I saw, listen, it was millions of black snakes in a vision coming from under, under the building. It wasn't in the building. We had just built it. These snakes was coming from under the building. They had to leave because... We took possession of this property. Why? Because it was a promise that God had given us. Numbers chapter 13. I want you to read this this story because I want to show you that whatever promise God's made you, you're probably going to have to dispossess some giants before you get into that promise. You want to know why such a fight to finish school? Because, listen, the giant knows that if you finish, your next level's on the other side. Oh, the reason why when you were working, you were having so much difficulty with your boss is because God already knows that your boss's job is your job. And so the devil knows, and so he's fighting you. And see, sometimes we, got, we get caught up with the fight. Watch Numbers 13, 25. It says, and they, now let me give you the background. Okay, here's the background. Moses had sent out the 12 spies to go check out the promised land. So... They were on their way back now. So verse 25 says, And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to tell the congregation of all the children of Israel unto the wilderness. In verse 27 it says, And they told him and said, 
we came into the land where you sent us, Moses, and surely it's flowing with milk and honey and the fruit in it. And they even brought back a sample, right? Nevertheless, they said, listen, 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 Moses. Oh, yeah, it's got all that fruit. And it's got some wonderful things. And it's flowing with milk and honey. And everything God said was in that land, in that promised land, we saw it. They said, but nevertheless, the people in that land are strong. And they dwell in that land. And the cities there are, are, are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And then I'm dropping down to verse 49, uh, 29. The Amalekites dwell in that land in the south. And watch this. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. All these different folks, watch this, was dwelling in the land that God had promised them. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Hey, let us go once, go up once, and possess it. Because if you're going to possess it, you have to dispossess it. For we are able, well able to overcome it. Watch verse 31. But the men that went up said, Oh, no, we're not able to go against these people. Oh, these giants are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel. Watch verse 33. Let's drop down to verse 33. And there we saw the giants, there's the word, and the sons of Anna, which comes from the giants. And we were in our own sight, grasshoppers. Because that's what giants try to intimidate you to believe. That you are less than who God has said you are. Giants, listen, they don't go away. They must be conquered. That temper you have, it ain't going to just go away. Because if it just go away, you wouldn't have it no more. That late spirit you got, <laughs> it ain't just going to go away. If that late spirit would just go away, you wouldn't still be late everywhere. That negative, pessimistic part of you that's always negative, that me against the world attitude. You, oh, it may sound like that's positive. It ain't positive because what you're saying is, don't nobody care about me. I'm just going to care about myself. I'm talking to somebody today. That depression, that granny fault, that mama fault that you are fighting right now, it ain't going to just go away. It's got to be conquered. And today is the day that we're going to evict the devil and we're going to evict Goliath. Somebody say amen to that. So in order to conquer this giant, it brings us to our last point. Here's our last point. Your viewpoint determines your vantage point. <laughs> this is good. Boy, this is good stuff. Your viewpoint determines your vantage point. In other words, how you see your situation, how you see your giant. Is your giant bigger than you or are you bigger than the giant? Listen, since we're in Numbers 13, let's go back to verse 28. Because how you see it determines if you will be free from it. I'm going to say that again. How you see it will determine if you will be free from it. Look at verse 28. They said, nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in this land, and the cities are walled, and they're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, verse 33. And they saw the giants, the sons of Anak. And we saw in our own sight we looked like grasshoppers. And we even saw, looked like grasshoppers in their sight. What do you think they did? Did you hear what they said? They say, you know what, Moses? These giants are so big that uh, we look like grasshoppers. As a matter of fact, Moses, we not only look like grasshoppers in our sight, 
we look like grasshoppers to them. My question is, did they survey these giants and say, hey, hey, what you think about us? No, because watch this. What you think people think about you is really what you think they think about you. Oh, 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 absolutely. What you think people, th- oh, she think, I, I, she just hating on me because I, she think I'm cute. No, you think you cute. Oh, you want to think you cute. And because you think you cute, you think everybody else thinking you cute and they hating on you. No, you know what? To be honest, they ain't thinking about you. Praise the Lord Jesus. So watch this now. When, here's the vantage point you got to come from. When you have a covenant with God, you always have the advantage. I'm going to say that again. When you have a covenant with God, you always have the advantage. See, listen, there are always more for us as believers than there are against us. I mean, listen, one third of the angels fell out of heaven and followed Lucifer or Satan as we know him. One third of the angels. But you know what? That leaves two thirds. What did you say, Pastor? I ain't good at fractions. Help me out. Okay, let me help you out. Here we go. That means for every one demon, there are two angels. Oh, and listen, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a fight, I'd rather be two against one, and I'm one of the two. For every one demon, there are two angels. Listen, David's viewpoint, watch this, was one of a covenant perspective. He knew that Goliath did not have a covenant relationship with God. Let me tell you why I say that. First Samuel 17, 26, and we're winding down here. David said, he spoke to the men around him, and he says, what shall be done to this man that kills the Philistine and take away the reproach? Watch what he says. For who is this? I'm reading out of the King James now. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David said, oh, wait a minute. God done promised us this land as his people. And this man that's in it right now does not have a covenant with God. Because in those days, it was very easy to know who had a covenant and didn't have a covenant. Uncircumcision, no covenant. Circumcision, covenant. And David looked at this giant and says, you don't have a covenant with God. And that giant that is tampering in your life right now does not have a covenant with God. And you and I, we have a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And watch this, whatever we bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Listen, the covenant must be started from our stop, from down here. God's done. Listen, the Bible says all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. We must instigate the covenant right here. You must say, you listen, whatever you bind on earth. It didn't say whatever you bind in heaven first. No, no, no. Because heaven's going to follow your instructions. Woohoo, this is so good Jesus I love you alright so watch this now watch this now we must stop feeling sorry for ourselves because you're complaining about what you're permitting mm. it's time to give Goliath an eviction notice he has been squatting on your heart and in your mind long enough He does not have a covenant with God. Therefore, 
you and I have the authority and the right to evict him. So here's the question. What motivated David to fight Goliath? Because there was a prize involved. The New Living Translation of 1 Samuel 17, 26 says, David asked the soldiers, hey, what is this man going to get from killing the Philistines? And that's when they told him, hey, you're going to marry the king's daughter and your whole family won't have to pay taxes. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark, watch this, for the prize of the high calling of God. See, you got to see that when there's an advantage of being free from a giant, your life's going to get better. Not only does your life get better, generations before you or after you their life is going to get better. Because when you read the full story, when David conquered the giant called Goliath, everybody else's life got better. And let me just say this. You being free also means somebody else's life can be free. So how, how do we identify your Goliath? First of all, this is, this is the application. Now, here's first step number one. This is what you're going to do today. Step number one. When it comes to facing your Goliath, overcoming him, dispossessing him, here's number one. You got to identify it. Don't, don't act like you ain't, you don't know you're a liar. Well, Pastor, I just lie sometimes. Well, no, sometimes has an S on it. Sometimes. Well, Pastor, you know, Pastor, you know, uh, you know, I, I just, I just got caught up. Well, you know, it, it's one thing to to be caught up and it's another thing to be engulfed so this is how you identify the goliath you call it out by its name in prayer to god because there is a name that is greater than that name you have to be honest with you watch this because that's the first step to freedom being honest with you doesn't make you a bad person it makes you a free person listen John 8.32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So if I'm honest with me about the giant that I'm struggling with, listen, that's the first step to freedom. And most people never get free from Goliath because they're not honest with themselves. Everybody else around, you see it. You don't. You got to be honest with you. Identify your Goliath. That's number one. Here's number two. Start your approach spiritually before you try and fight it naturally i'm gonna say that again start your approach to fighting this giant you start it spiritually before you try to fight it naturally see you gotta find god's word that relate to your goliath and you gotta put that word in your heart psalm 119 11 says thy word have i hid in my heart why that i might not sin against god see when i first got saved i had some problems I mean, I still got some, but some of the problems I got now, uh, I didn't have back then. Some of the problems when I first got saved, they were some real problems. I had a cussing problem. I had a drinking problem. I had a girl problem. So I had some problems, right? So listen, I started way back in the day to start dealing with some of these problems. And so what I did to deal, to deal with the girl problem, because see, some of you are out there, see, I, I'm going to help you if you're a man, because if you're a man, and then you know what, it's men and women these days. You got to watch what your eyes see. So I learned Job 31.1. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? 
I learned Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. And then verse 24 says, put away from you a forward or perverse mouth. And then he says, and put perverse lips far from you. But here's the verse. He says, let your eyes look right on and your eyelids look straight ahead. Listen, I don't do second looks. Pastor Evan ain't got no woman problem. Now, my only woman problem is my wife. And that's good to have a woman problem if she's your wife. See, some of y'all got some women problem. You got some men problem. Uh, you, you, what you looking at, you should not be looking at. And see, uh, had I not closed the door then, no telling what kind of mess I would be in today. Someone say amen to that. So you got to start your approach spiritually. Man, you better put that word in your heart. Here's number three as I close. You want to exercise your covenant so that God can wipe out Goliath in your life. You have to exercise your covenant. Notice I say you have to exercise it so that God can wipe Goliath out of your life. Let me, let me tell you how to start exercising your covenant. First of all, stop making excuses for your Goliath. Oh, that's just me. No. First of all, you don't want that to be you. So stop making excuses for the Goliath. Recite your covenant to Goliath, to a victim. No, no, no. When my eyes wanted to look any other direction, my, my spirit man said, oh, no, 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 no. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I look at somebody else? And I was doing that before I got married. See, let me tell you something. If you can't stay faithful to Jesus as a single person, you think you're going to be able to be faithful to your fleshly husband or wife? <clears throat> Recite your covenant. Tell Goliath what your covenant says about him. Oh, no, Goliath. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, no, Goliath. I am the head always and not the tail. I am blessed going in, Goliath, and I am blessed going out. Oh, no, Goliath. I know you're trying to tie my money up, but now the windows of heaven, giant, are open, and the blessings of the Lord are following me because I... Make sure I take care of God's house. You got to recite your covenant to the Goliath and evict him. And then here's the, I'm closing with this. And then you have to be a doer of the word. Listen, the covenant of God, when you come into Jesus Christ, he made a covenant. And that covenant is every, all my promises are yes and amen. But see, you can own an umbrella and not use it. And when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you may now have a covenant with God. But my question is, are you operating that covenant? Because it was raining outside. It would be ridiculous for me to go outside and have an umbrella in my hand and not use it. And some of us, we're not doing what we can do. See, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The question is, will you? You didn't have to call that man last night for no Netflix and chill. You you picked the phone. Ah, I'm talking to somebody, right? Yeah, I know. Netflix and chill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you didn't have you didn't have to answer the phone and you didn't have to call the phone. But for some reason, Goliath called. Hello. Hey, what you doing? I'm just waiting on you to call me. For what? You know I want to come over there. Uh, hello? 
I'm going to keep this PG or G, I should say. But you know the rest of the story. Listen. It's our decision to do the word. Just do what you can. See, God waits on us to move first. The Bible says when we draw close to God, then he draws close to us. See, it wasn't until uh, Moses did in the natural what he knew to do. He was stuck between the army and, and, the, and the Red Sea. And he said, God, what do I do? God said, raise up your staff. You got to do your part. And when you do your part, God will do his. And so there are some people today that I'm getting ready to pray for. We're going to evict Goliath today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for those who have watched Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing and surfacing the Goliaths we need to conquer this week. And some have already been in a fight with Goliath and have been fighting for a long time. And I hear the Lord saying, don't stop fighting because it's the good fight of faith that you win. It's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you decide to get back up. Because the greater one lives on the inside of you. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, every giant that's facing your people today, I curse it and I command it to go in Jesus' name. Alcoholism, go in Jesus' name. Addiction, go in Jesus' name. Homosexuality, you got to go today in Jesus' name. Fear, you got to go today in Jesus' name. Hurt and pain, you got to go in Jesus' name. And Father, I declare that Jesus is Lord over our hearts, over our minds, over our homes, and over our families and our businesses, and everything that you blessed our hands with in Jesus' name. With every head bowed right there, there's some people watching me who need to get saved today. He said, Pastor Evan, what does that mean? See, if there's a God... There has to be a devil. You say, well, why do you, you say that, Pastor Evan? Because if it was only a God here, everything would be good. See, this is how it's easy to figure out. They say, well, God is in control. No, 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 no. Because if God was in complete control, then we would never be in this mess. No, he gave Adam and Eve a will. And their will decided to disobey God's will. And that's how we got in this mess. So there is a devil. And if there's a God and there's a devil, there's a place called heaven and there's a place called hell. Here's my question to you. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If you died.